oh, just pull up your bootstraps, basically the whole lie back and think of England kind of thing. I'm like, no, if you're tired, stop and ask for help. It's just, that's just a load of crap. Welcome. I'm your host, Dino Cattaneo, and you're listening to Authentic Leadership for Everyday People, the podcast where we investigate the connection between effective leadership and authenticity. If you're looking for inspiration and tips on how to become a better leader by being your true self, you're in the right place. The person you just heard answering the question, what is the expression that drives you crazy, was Mia Byrne. Mia made history when the video for her single, It Don't Fade, was broadcast on country music television. In the video, she kisses her partner Swan, and that was the first time that a video featuring a kiss by an openly queer trans artist was shown on CMT. You can go back and listen to her whole interview in episode 91. I thought she would make a great introduction for part two of our third annual business jargon that makes you crazy review. Part one came out a few weeks ago, episode 90. It's always fun for me to go back through a year of episodes and just listen to these answers. And I'm sure that you will love them too and maybe get inspired to go and listen to some of the episodes you missed. And now, without any further delay, let's just get into the answers. We start with Sylvia Negri, back from episode 89. She shares an interesting insight on how words that initially have meaning lose it as they get overused. Expression in general, there are so many, maybe not so related to business, but also like there are words that I cannot stand anymore. Storytelling, for example, or resilience. It's very used in Italy, especially. Resilience is something that people use without knowing what it means synergies or you know we need to renovate and actually sometimes i understand that i was using this when i founded my agency lifestyle for example is something i'm desperately trying to change because when i opened my agency was the first one to speak about lifestyle conversation between the different industries but now everybody says this so it's time to change Okay, now we're going to go all the way back to episode 72 with Gil Blander and Ronnie Salem, uh, Chief Scientific Officer and Founder and Chief Executive Officer of Insight Tracker. It's a very cool exchange. First, Ronnie says his buzzword that he doesn't like, and then there's a wonderful interplay between the two of them. I'll start, I'll tell you, the concept of lean startup is one that I find particularly annoying. And the reason why is because I think it works for maybe 10% of the population. I think a lot of people are not wired to function in that mode at all. And so for the 10% of the people out there who are quant, linear thinkers, love rapid experimentation and are compatible with that model, it works fabulously and they don't understand why the rest of the world isn't doing it. So it works very well in a small organization or if you screen for that type of profile, but the uh, you know fail fast model, which is the kind of lean startup corollary, I think is one that is probably overused and a lot of people fall in love with without ever really having tried it. What about you, Gil? Do you have a thought? Yeah, I have a, one a term called "there are millions way to skin the cat." That I'm, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> uh, to, to, <laughs> It's an expression that one is done. But uh, uh, it's one of my expressions. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I like it. I, I don't have any expression that I don't like. It's like um, no expression make me mad, let's say. So I, I don't have. 
Next is Jim Bathory, and she talks about the experience of working in an organization that has a lot of buzzwords and expressions, as well as one that she particularly doesn't like. There are so many, and I think one of the shockers of going from agency to brand side was corporate speak. And at both Disney and Walmart, I had to have a an acronym guide to understand what the hell people were saying in meetings and just not knowing what it was. The couple that I think of, one of it's it's just so ubiquitous is circle back. We're going to circle back on this. And it triggers me to such an extent right now because what it, one of my frustrations about corporate life is so many meetings, so many meetings about meetings, meetings about the meetings, about the work, about the meetings, so much consensus, so much circling. And I remember when I learned the term when I lived in Italy and facciamo un giro, right? And I'm like, what does that even mean? Facciamo un giro. It's like, we're going to go out and take a drive, but it literally means we're going to go make a circle and we're going to circle around something over and over again. And circle back means we're going to circle and we're not going to get shit done. And so I, 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 I would like to ban circle back if possible. There are sometimes themes that emerge and the next two uh, are themes that emerge around certain behaviors that relate to social media, whether it's inward behaviors or outward behaviors. And so we're going to hear first Jonathan Rosov from episode 87 and then Harry Duran from episode 77. I'm going to say this and also admit that we all do it and I sometimes do it. How many times do people write so honored to have been invited to, grateful for the opportunity to in social channels. And you're not really honored or grateful. You're just promoting the thing that you do. <laughs> we all do it. But sometimes I look at it and I say, are you, are you really honored to do that? <laughs> or is, is this just a way of letting everyone know that you're doing something super cool? And so... I try and be a little bit more circumspect about, you know, how I frame the things that I'm doing. So you're against the humble brag. I agree. I'm like, just go for the straight up brag. Yeah. I kicked ass. Totally. Own it. Or like, or, hey, check it out. I'm doing the such and such thing at, uh, you know, at the panel. It's one of those things where it's like, it's very transparent and it's become almost a trope of like what everyone does. And, and I also, as I said up front, like we all do it because it's easy, it, an easy way of getting out there. And here's Harry. I was thinking about something that drives me crazy. And I, I don't know if it's a specific jargon, but it's this idea of fake admiration. And... What I mean by that, we've seen this on LinkedIn. I, I saw this recently. Someone reached out to me and he said, Hey, Harry, thank you so much for all you've done. I'm a huge fan of your work. And then immediately there's like an ask. <laughs> like, I'm like, what, what, what do you mean? Like, what exactly do you like about my work? And I really, I wish I had the time to just respond to each of them. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Like, what specifically do you like? We press podcasters, we get this all the time, right? Oh my God, I love your show of like, your most recent episode with Dina was so amazing. And I'm like, really? I don't think you really liked it. And I think you really listened to it because I, I've done it. I've, I've said, hey, if you liked it so much, what did you like specifically about it? You know, like, and now that I have two shows, people say, I loved your podcast. And I'm like, mm, which one, <laughs> which episode? Because it's helpful information to know as a podcaster, but this fake admiration, like this fake praise in the hopes of getting a return from it. It's what we talked about earlier, right? They're, 
they're sort of giving with some fake praise, but you know, they're expecting an immediate return, right? And and with all these tools that allow you to reach out to people automatically, I'm seeing more and more of that. And I don't it's just the world we live in now, and I just have to let that, you know, brush that off my shoulder <laughs> when I read those and don't let them get to me. In episode 71, Camila Benjamin Fuller, Chief DEI and Social Impact Officer from PTC had a very thoughtful and insightful take on a word that at first glance, you might have not thought it was an expression that drove her crazy. <laughs> There's so many. I did a little a little homework and I was thinking about this. You know, one might actually come back to what you're talking about, the Rooney Rule, diverse slate and diverse candidate. What is a diverse candidate? Even diverse group of people. But what's a diverse candidate? Because it, if you look at someone who may represent optically to you, let's say white male, let's say that's what you see. They are more than a two-dimensional person. There's other things there. It does not mean that they have to navigate the same level of challenges that I might have to, but you don't know their full story. So diverse candidate is a very othering kind of statement that gets thrown around all the time. Like they're a diverse candidate. Well, diverse to what or to whom? And then you pull that into the diverse slate and I'm like, tell me what kind of diversity are you after? So is it a gender diverse slate or is it an ethnically diverse slate? Because otherwise it just doesn't make sense. So those are the two things that are like hot buzzwords. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you saying? Um, and that makes the Rooney rule super hard, right? Because then you come down to like one diverse candidate and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so the Rooney rule is a really good foundation, by the way. I challenge us to think about like having more candidates who represent dimensions of diversity that need to happen and, um, but yeah, I think those those two in combination get under my skin. In episode 75, Brian Beckham started from a quote from a famous movie to give Ashley another very thoughtful take. I'm trying to think about the way people put this, but there's two that come to mind. The first one that comes to mind is always be closing. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard of the ABC, always be closing. Oh, yes. That idea is from Glenn Glary, Glenn Ross, Alec Baldwin spoke that he's some sort of salesperson in that show. But the implication there is always be working or always be working on your business. And I think that notion is misguided. I mean, let me just ask you this question, Dino. Isn't it bizarre that for 50 years, the way to be successful as a lawyer was to sacrifice your health, your time with your family, your time with your friends, in order to spend eight years representing some nameless, faceless corporation doesn't even know who you are, only to become a partner and work twice as hard until you either retire because you're unhealthy or you retire because they kick you out and give you a gold watch and nobody cares. Like, that's the most bizarre thing. I like, when, <laughs> when did we get to the point in our society where we thought that should take priority over everything else? So, the, the, you know, whatever saying has to do with like, I, I don't know about you, but I found that if I work 10 hours a day, I get less done than if I work three hours. If I work three hours of super focused time, that is better than sitting behind a desk for 10 hours, screwing around, pretending like I'm working. So, and, and I tell you, the other thing is, I don't know if you've seen this, Dino, but especially after quarantine, Especially, but my observation is there's there's this change in the air, change in the zeitgeist, where people are start finally starting to wise up and realize 
sacrificing your health and family and your life for some job is stupid. Like who said we had to do that? I mean, everybody's complaining about, you know, people aren't going back to work. Well, if your job is to pick up trash for minimum wage, why would you do that? Like, that, of course, they're not going back to work. Would you go back to work? <laughs> I wouldn't go back to work. And so companies, you know, these companies are complaining and moaning. And I would say, well, maybe if you paid them more and gave them a little better benefits, they'd come back to work. Maybe it's your fault that these maybe you've been exploiting people for so long that they're finally starting to wise up. I mean, I can tell you in my firm. The reason people stay at my firm is not because I pay them more than everybody else. It's because they like working with me and they see that my values are consistent with theirs. It's not because I order them to. It's not because they have to. It's because they want to. And I think our society has changed dramatically in the last three years such that if, if you're a business owner and you want to hire young people, it you better not tell them you're going to be working seven days a week for 20 years. At the end of the deal, you get a gold watch. You, you want to tell them there's something more to it like there's a meaning behind your work so that, that those are probably the biggest things that come to mind and since we mentioned a movie in the last one now we go with daniela rabani in episode 74 with an expression the drives are crazy from the entertainment business from the entertainment world there's no business like show business show business is like every other business that's one and what about practice makes perfect not true you can rehearse a play for you know, months, years, workshop a play for years, you'll never feel perfect. You can be doing lames for five years at a time. You practice, practice, practice. It'll never feel perfect because that's not what art is. That's not what life is. In the first episode, Raj Kapoor chose one word as the word that drove him crazy. And what's fascinating is this word is the one that's been quoted the most. It comes up multiple times during the season. But what's fascinating is that people start from that word and then their follow-on take is always interesting and different. It's like the word that keeps on giving. So we're going to start with episode 76, Jeremy Goldman. There are so many, and that's probably something that you hear a lot. But I was thinking a little bit about this. I mean, there are some words where they're just annoying and they turn people off, even though they might be the most efficient way of saying what you mean. So I was curious what you think about this, but I was thinking leverage and synergies. You know, those are two that are very jargony. You know, they show up very much in work. And then I'm thinking, is there an easier way to say that? And sometimes you can use four words where you would have previously used one, but it's actually okay to use those four words because you come across as more of a human. Like our point in life should not be to be the most efficient possible. It should be to connect the most possible with our audiences. And sometimes using more words is actually a better way to do that rather than to think of a word that you know, a few people here and there might not actually know. And, and maybe those are the most important people in your audience. So how do you make things accessible to everybody, I think, is a very important way of, of thinking. Sometimes it's not even how you say the word, it's how you actually present it to people. So with the take on that, here is Rishi Bhatia from episode 84. It's the concentric circles in PowerPoint, you know, where you're trying to put everything, slam everything in a slide and say it has synergy. You know, Maybe that's what gets to me, you know. It's maybe BS without really rooted in uh, reality, you know. We close our little synergy trilogy, if you will, with Des Rock, who in episode 88 
blurted out synergy as her gut reaction to the question, but then went on a broader conversations about why and how certain people tend to use this type of jargon in a corporate environment. Synergy. Look, one of the things that's happened is once I've stepped into my authentic self is that the ability to read BS in the room so easily, and I have such little patience for it, and I can see it a mile off. And it's very difficult for me to engage and work with now. I need to kind of step back. And it's very, I'm sure it's in difficult for them as well as I hold them accountable to their thoughts and actions, right? Because nobody wants that. The corporate world is set up onto the fact on, it's like nobody wants, you don't do checks and balances. Nobody really asks you, so what do you do? Like, what is your role? I just asked that of somebody on an email today. The question was, is like, what is your role here? So I can set my expectations, right? Because I was just getting nothing but jargon absolute jargon. And I knew on a day-to-day basis, nobody holds this person accountable at all. So it's not a very good fit. It's very, obviously for both of us, it's very uncomfortable for both of us. They're not getting away with it. And uh, I'm frustrated because I don't want to hear it. Synergy is not the only expression that comes up multiple times and is always popular. Here's another one. It is what it is. And here's Anthony Ames, famous for his role in taking down the Nexium cult and his state from episode 85. It is what it is. I fucking hate that. <laughs> Sorry to use that language. Just when people go, yeah, it is what it is. I mean, no, it's not. <laughs> and when is it not is what it is? Like, it's just, I, I, when people say it, I just kind of roll. I had a whole web series that I wrote. Actually, I, was, I filmed two episodes three weeks before we blew up the organization. And many of the cast were in ESP, in Nexium. And so I had to kind of dissolve the project. But one of the episodes was called It Is What It Is. And everyone just went around saying it is what it is to each other. And it was was funny. I just just never got that one. So it is what it is. Yeah. And in a slightly different take, here is Kayvon Tucker from episode 85, who's actually pointing out what specifically bothers him about the expression, it is what it is, in a very positive way. There's something about it is what it is that rubs me the wrong way. It feels very... So there's like some wisdom in there, like acceptance. And then there's usually like a tinge of defeatist in that. And I don't know. I don't really identify as a fighter. I'm more of like a lover, but there's definitely a fighter in me that's like, no, 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 we can we can work to make this what we want it to be. This is what I'm up to at consciously. Things are how they are today, right? But they can be different. And I don't want anyone to ever like give up or or let go of hope that they can't make their life situation or the world different. Uh, So yeah, it is what it is. Kind of rubs me the wrong way sometimes. Something you heard me say multiple times about why I asked the question, please tell me a business jargon or expression to drive you crazy, is that at its best, the question will elicit an answer that in the beginning is negative, but ends up being something very powerful and very positive. And this is why I chose the answer that Ash Beckham gave me in episode 80 to close today's show. Enjoy. This one always has a caveat for me. So I hate it gets better. And I love the Trevor Project and I know that's what they do. So a huge props for all the things that they do. But to me, it doesn't get better. We get stronger. We get more resilient. Like, I think, you know, the overall, sure, like rising tide lifts all boats, like I'll get that, but let's not minimize the work that we're doing, right? Like 
sure, things aren't always going to, you know, their angle is like, things aren't always going to be like what they're like in high school. Like you need to get out of there. And once you get out of there, life will get better. And I get that. But it, it does, I mean, it may or may not get better. You get better. You get stronger. You get more resilient. You get more secure in who you are. You acquire the tools to address the situations. Like you get better. It is going to do whatever it is going to do. But to focus on you and to minimize that we, from every interaction, every hard conversation, every time we try to be authentic and fall on our face, we are falling forward. It is an improvement. We are getting better. And it and it's, it's just one step up, right? And I feel like for so many of us, authenticity and personal growth, like it takes that track of a, of a graph that's, you know, up and to the right. But if you zoom in on it, it's up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. The general trajectory is there, but day to day, moment to moment, there are ups and there are downs, but we are the ones that have the power to control what we can control so we get better. Hopefully we have some effect on it, but we are the ones that get stronger. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, first of all, go listen to the older episode that you may have missed. Then find a friend who may enjoy it and tell them that they should listen to it. And if you really like the show, tell all your friends and post about it on social media. Every little bit helps. Make sure you're subscribed to the show on your favorite listening platform so you don't miss any episode. And if you listen on a platform that allows reviews like Apple Podcasts, Audible, Good Pods, please leave us a stellar rating and a review. Five stars. Stick around because after the credits, I'm going to play a song by Susan Cattane, one of Boston's best Americana singer-songwriters. For more information and all the links, go to the episode page of my podcast website. The site is al4ep.com, spelled with the number four. You can email me at dino at al4ep.com. Please make sure that you follow the podcast on whatever social network you're on. Uh, On Twitter and Instagram, you can use the handle at al4edp. It's the same in both places. And on Facebook, look for Authentic Leadership for Everyday People. This episode was produced by me, Dino Cattaneo, with additional edits by Pro Podcast Solutions. It was recorded remotely using Squadcast.fm. The theme music was composed, produced, and arranged by Nicolas Cattaneo, who also played keyboards and drums, with Tony Savarino on guitar and Jesse Williams on bass. As promised, here is a song by Susan Cattaneo. Since this episode is coming out on July 3rd, here is Watching the Sparks Fly. Enjoy, and see you next week.
this hot summer night The Beach Boys blast on a track high As Jeremy coaxes his Camaro down Pearl Street The idols at lights Then races out at the green tire screech A comet's tail His muffler drags on the wire the spot. 